You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. access america thank you for tuning in for another episode from season seven of public access america where we are hoping to learn about history one person at a time you can find public access america of course as you did on itunes i hope you rate review and subscribe stitcher smart radio of course preferably any of the android podcatchers that you love and any of the other podcatchers that you love you can find us there at public access america you can find us at public access america on youtube facebook and Instagram, and you can enjoy our stream of positivity on Twitter at Public Access Pod. Today, we're talking with Renee Remster from Vision World Foundation. She does some great things, and it's a great conversation. I'm so glad you're on board. Find Vision World at Cook with Outlook on Twitter or Vision World Foundation on Facebook. line right i did not know that but that's even better to know yeah i i always consider myself like a um a translator between the blind and the sighted communities i'm not i'm not blind but i've had to learn like from like thousands of people over the years so but we can get into that yeah i'm not blind public access america today we're sitting down with renee rentmeester creator and executive producer of Cooking Without Looking TV show, the first TV show for people who are blind, visually impaired, or suffer from low vision. Vision World Foundation provides advocacy for people who are blind, visually impaired, or suffer with low vision through the Cooking Without Looking TV show. Vision World Foundation also advocates for injustice done against people just because they have sight loss. Thank you for tuning in, and thank you, Renee, for being here. Thank was, you very much for asking me. <laughs> um, that was a long introduction because you, you do quite a bit. I wanted to, I, I just want to start with a couple definitions, if that's okay, so that people can learn to normalize the idea of sure. vision loss while we talk. Is that okay? Sure, no problem. Okay. The estimated number of people visually impaired in the world is 285 million. It's a big term, but I was wondering if you could explain visually impaired. Well, um, basically, it has to do with the numbers of your eyesight. I think it's if you are um, 
uh, less than two, uh, more than 200, greater than 200, um, you, you are visually impaired. You're legally blind. Okay. And that's on the 2020 scale. Yes. Yes, that's correct. But you know what's interesting is the thing that I found out was we don't really ever have a real count of people who are visually impaired because some people don't admit it. Some people don't really believe they're visually impaired. Um, so, so, and they try and, you know, continue their life as a regular sighted person. So um, we don't really ever have a true number on the visual impairment. I completely agree with that. And I also want to say that a 2020 scale means that when I'm looking at something from 20 feet away and you're looking at it from 20 feet away, we should see it the same. But what Renee is saying is that 200 means that if I'm standing 20 feet away from an object, you would have to stand 200 feet away to see it the same way I do. That's correct. That's the best way I've ever heard. Because, you know, I have when you ask the question, I had to think about it as well. That's the best way I've heard it described. So thank you. I've, I've learned something from the first minute of this. <laughs> so 39 million people are blind. And I think we all know what that term means. 246 million people have low vision. Can you help me explain low vision? Well, you know, um, I'm not the technical person but the low vision is is just that um you have you have problems uh, seeing at a certain point you know you you just you you can't see it's sort of like walking into a closet you can see some things but you you can't see others it's it's you know sure. i don't have the numbers on that one we all have low i think we all have low vision as the lights get darker and i mm -hmm. think people i think people with low vision, that's intensified. The lights are already slightly darker. Right, right, exactly. Thirty-five percent of people visually impaired, and eighteen percent of all blind folks are under fifty years old. And all are welcome to join Public Access America as we talk with Renee Rentmeister creator and executive producer of Cooking Without Looking TV show, the first TV show for people who are blind, visually impaired, or suffer from low vision. All right, now we can get into the questions. <laughs> Yay! All hey, right. Jason, I, I just wanted to mention that we're not just for blind people, and I might have written that by mistake somewhere along the way. It's... Um, we're the only TV show which features blind people, but we're for everyone. We're for sighted people. You know, everyone watches the show. Even really young people have watched the show. Old people watch the show. All sighted people love the show too. So, you know, it's just not for them, but it's, it's for the inclusion, you know. Sure. We include um, blind people, which most often TV shows don't do that. I like that aspect of it. And, you're heard around the world, right? Um, yes, uh, we're going to be. That's that's what's coming up in April. All right. Well, let's go with that. Tell us about Cooking Without Looking. Why start a cooking TV show featuring blind people? Well, um, Jason, what happened was I, since I was 17 years old, I've worked in TV and um, worked in professional television and 
I I loved it. And the best part about TV, which you know most people don't realize, is it it helps to change people's minds. You you can learn from it while you're being entertained. And so um, I worked at CBS in Miami, and um, I wanted to I wanted to leave and start my own business. But one of the things I wanted to do was um, also have leave like some sort of a legacy. Um, and what I found was um, I wanted to have, I was on a board of, I'm sorry, I was on a lot of boards, okay? When you're in TV, you're on a lot of boards because they figure they get free advertising, right? So um, what happened was I was on so many boards and I was just like, let me have something as a legacy for me and my family. And I wanted something that um, affected anyone, no matter what race, creed, color, um, age, um, how much money you had, no matter what, you could be affected by it. And um, I thought of doing a cooking show. Uh, I thought of doing an informational show about children who were blind. But when I did my research, I found out, thankfully, that most children aren't born blind. Um, So what I did was I I realized that uh, with the baby boomers and um, you and I, I guess, both being one of them, they there was a lot of macular degeneration. There's a lot of people going blind or going visually impaired. And so I wanted a way to talk about that. I didn't know anyone who was blind at all. I don't have any blind family members, but the way I am, I just want to include everyone and I want to, I want people to understand one another because I think that's the way we get along is when you understand one another. So what I did was I I, um, used my tool of choice, TV, and I went looking uh, and on my other tool of choice, eating, <laughs> I love to eat and I love to cook. <laughs> so my three tools were all there. And I went looking. I thought, wow, people don't really understand blind people at all. And because no, I, I started asking around. And and then I, I uh, asked some friends of mine who went to the university here. And I said, do you know of a professor or anyone who's blind and who cooks? Because he was, he was in like culinary school and he did. And he took me to that gentleman and we met and we talked and I told him about the show I was thinking about. And he loved the idea. And of course he wanted to be a part of it. Right. And so then he has, he has macular degeneration. Then I went to lots of blind organizations and I took my, my idea to them too, so that they could see um, what it was all about. And um, so I just kept gathering people along the way. And then I went to an old friend of mine who was the program director at one of the TV stations here in South Florida. I told him about it. He thought it was amazing. But he didn't think his general manager would like it because he said that he didn't want to show people with any disabilities on TV. It made him feel bad. Not that he wanted to keep them off. It just made him feel bad to see that someone was blind or any disability, right? It makes us feel bad when people suffer, yes. Right. So so then what was funny was I got my sponsors together and I got everything all set up. I found um, three people who were blind or visually impaired. There was one, Celia Chacon, she was totally blind and she was a blind caterer. 
made amazing things, amazing. She's, she's since passed. Then there was um, um, Annette Watkins, and um, she has Stargardt's, which is basically like, mac- you know, this immaculate generation, but when you're younger. Right. And, and then, um, then there was uh, Alan Preston, who's also still with us. And he had something from the time he was little, and they never really quite knew it, what it was. They, they ended up finding out what it was um, by doing a background on him and his eyes and everything. So anyway, we got everyone together. And my friend, who was the program director, said, Renee, I'm, I'm going to sneak this on TV. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not telling my general manager. I'm like okay good luck and i'll get the address for the unemployment line while we're waiting <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and so then he uh he did he snuck it on at noontime one saturday which you know it was public tv and um it was a pbs station in palm beach and uh he he snuck it on and then he got a call from the general manager <laughs> 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 and uh, he said like what is this on here and what is this show on here and he told him what it was and he goes i love it <laughs> and he became one of our biggest supporters we shot the show live out of their studio all the time and he would always make it a point to be there and to shake everyone's hand and to talk to everyone, he he loved the show. So that was that was long story short. That was it. Long story even longer. That was it. Hey, this is radio. Long stories can go as long as they want. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and then so, and from there, I mean, I think my my next question is just how did you get it off the ground? But I think we got it off the ground. But how did you we got it off the ground there? Yeah. I think I want to know if there was. Um, well, a lot of our, a lot of our listeners don't quite know how to make a difference in the world today. So what I'm trying to figure out is how did you go from that point to where you are today? And then maybe explain some of the roadblocks that you had to deal with some of the hurdles that you had to endure, and then maybe how you overcame them. If there is that type of stuff, that would be nice to hear. Oh, sure, sure. Um, <laughs> well, you know, I've, I've pretty much donated my life um, to changing the way people look at people who are blind and, and at blindness because um, I don't know about you, Jason, but when I was growing up, um, we were always told, well, you know, if, if someone was in a wheelchair, if someone wasn't blind, don't stare at them. Don't stare right. at them. Right. And so what would, what I would have to do is like I um, I would jolt my head really quickly so that I wouldn't stare, but I always wanted to know more, right? And we were taught not to ask questions, but in a way that was the wrong thing to be taught because I've never met a person who was blind or anyone with any other um, ability, a difference in ability, um, who would they they actually welcome it and I, I think maybe you're the same way jason you know they welcome being um asked but at any rate the the biggest hurdle i had to get over were the funny looks i got when i said that i wanted to do a tv show featuring blind people mm-hmm. and uh, i just got these weird stares like does she know what she's saying 
And um, then I did research and there was an NFB, um, National Federation of the Blind, um, uh, study that was done, which said that blind people actually watch, and we can use that term, I guess, right? Sure. Um, um, they watch 2% more TV than sighted people because, you know, that's in a lot of ways, since they can't drive, you know, that's the entertainment. Yeah. Um, and so I, so, you know, that's what I would explain to people. And then people had to get over their own problems with understanding blindness. And I think really it's not a problem, it's a fear. And like it, cancer and blindness are the two things that people fear the most. Mm. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I have never been blind. I don't have people in my family, as I said, that are blind. But I had people, my mom had cancer, like from the time I was five years old, uh, she always had cancer, but she beat it. So I was never afraid of cancer. And now I'm not really afraid of blindness because of all the beautiful people from around the world and around the United States and around Florida who have taught me how to live, even if I were to lose my sight. It's pretty incredible so, how people learn to cope with anything right yes that's that's the biggest lesson you can cope and uh, i find the biggest coping mechanism and, and thankfully i come from the midwest is humor humor is the greatest um uh salve i guess i could say is the greatest band-aid sometimes if you, you can laugh at yourself when you do something mm -hmm. you know you get over it. Um, the gentleman who I told you about who he first had is one of our chefs. He, um, <laughs> he had macular degeneration and, and uh, there was a big bowl of whipped cream and he was going to wipe things up and he thought it was a big towel. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. He stuck his hand into that big bowl of whipped cream thinking it was a towel. Now that was a teachable moment because one of the ladies who was like in her 70s or 80s in, in our live studio audience came up to me later and said, you know, I'm going back in my kitchen. I went blind about a year ago and I haven't been in my kitchen for six months. I'm going back in. I was afraid to make a mistake, but I figure if he can make a mistake, I can make a mistake and just move on. And, and that's that was a great lesson there. You know, it made me feel happy that you know, from something so silly, it made her, it gave her the impetus to, you know, darn it, I'm going back in the kitchen and I'm cooking. I don't care what happens. I'm going to cook. You know, that's with all of us. It would be, it would be surprising for people to realize how little we actually look at what we're doing when we're cooking. I think that's right. first off. And second of all, as a blind person, as a blind man, I can tell you that sometimes I'm a klutz. And I just trip over them because I'm a klutz, not because I'm blind. And other times right. I look for things like a man would look for things. You open a drawer, you scan the top, you say, it's not there. Can you find it for me? And then there's times <laughs> when I'm just like, I can't see something. And that's the difference. But most of it falls into the first two categories. Right, right. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've gone into the grocery store and looked for something go and ask the young man or young woman, please, could you find this for me? Mm -hmm. And, and they go, Oh, it's like right here. And I'm like, Oh my God, I just walked through this place three times and I couldn't find it. <laughs> you know, Because um, I, I wasn't really looking closely enough. Exactly. 
I think I think blindness and handicap is a burden to some people. They're not sure if they want to take on and they don't want to get close enough to find out if it would be. Well, you know, let me tell you something. And this is I'll tad off the subject. Um, I had a client, I do, I do media relations for people on top of, I've got a media relations company on top of, um, doing the show. And, um, uh, one of my clients who I had for like 20 years, amazing person. One of those people that you look at and you think, oh my God, they, this was a perfect person, a perfect person. Well, one day he called me and he told me that, um, he, he um, was afraid he was going to get Parkinson's and uh, he started, he said he started the tremors and um, he said that he didn't want to burden his family. So he would, he was retiring, but he didn't want to burden his family. And he um, said that if ever he found out he really had Parkinson's, he would take his own life. And I said, please don't. He goes, I don't want to be a burden to my family. I go, oh my God, you would not be a burden to your family. You would not. I go, you will just rip your family apart if you did something like that. Well, two years later, he did. One day he figured out that he thought he had Parkinson's. He didn't he didn't care what the doctor told him. You know, he was a, a doctor of uh, physical therapy and mm-hmm. he, he knew and he just took his life. And so I don't ever want to think, I don't want anyone to think that they are a burden. You are never a burden and you are a lesson because when you, when things happen to you, you teach the people around you compassion yes. and um, how to love uh, unconditionally it's not all like let's go to the um market and get some ice cream and let's go to the movies every day you know that's not life um but but when this, something like this happens to you your ego goes down you get humility mm-hmm. and um i think that if somebody has an illness or a, a handicap or something like that i think giving people the chance to have those happy, happy memories and teachable moments is more important than ending your life and being a burden for the rest of theirs. Right. It's a, it's a horrible thought of, you know, you've just lost your family member. I would, I would happily wheel anyone around. Like I took care of my mom, like the last year of her life. And, um, you know, she she used to walk so fast. I'm from Green Bay, and she used to walk so fast that my dad and I were like in the back uh, and uh, <laughs> running after her. And and she was she was in the store, and we were still mid parking lot, right? But when I took care of my mom, uh, she walked very slowly, and she had a walker, and but she was still walking, and she was fine, and she she did everything that she felt like doing, but. You know, you do learn compassion, you learn patience, and um, yeah, it's those memories that really make a difference going down the line, aren't they? Right, it is because you were you were able to help them when they needed help. You know, they took care of us when we were little, and we had our dieties on, and we were in our strollers, and well, so the stroller was exchanged for a wheelchair sometimes and a walker, but you know that's that's life and and that's how we grow yeah by taking care of others i love that hey you can find vision world foundation at facebook 
by going to Vision World Foundation. And you can find Cook Without Look, Cooking Without Looking, the TV show on Twitter. How can people go ahead and support Cooking Without Looking? Well, there are many ways. Um, We have volunteers. As a matter of fact, all of us are pretty much volunteers right now. Um, We're looking for sponsors. Um, We're going to be going to South Africa in April, and we we still have sponsorships available. If you want to sponsor our TV show and be a part of history, um, we're going to be going around the world and finding out how people work. with people who are blind and visually impaired, all of our all of our thoughts, all of our in you know, ways of doing things. Um, so there's that, and then you can always go to our Vision World PayPal account and and um, send money there. It's Vision World Foundation at PayPal, and then the um, email you use is R E N E E A is an apple, D is in David, B is in Victory, T is in Tom at AOL.com. I love that. That came in clear as a bell. (laughs) (laughs) Yay! (laughs) Uh, Vision World Foundation provides advocacy for people who are blind, visually impaired, or suffer with low vision. Public Access America advocates for bringing key lime pie to anyone you know <laughs> that struggles with a visual disability. And I personally love key lime pie. Renee, <laughs> how can I make a key lime pie? <laughs> well, I thankfully to you, I have I have one memorized from the time I moved to Florida. Of course you it's, do. It's it's <laughs> it's it's not the one you see in the stores all the time because it would be hard to keep. But okay, if you're making a fresh key lime pie, you you find a crust that you like. You can either you can either make the the flaky crust or you can use a um, graham cracker crust, either one. Mm. And then what you do is you take um, four egg yolks and you take a quarter to a half cup juice of lime juice. You can buy key lime juice in the store. Yes, you can. And um, a can of sweetened condensed milk. Now, think of how easy this is. So you you whip up the yolks, and then um, you use a mixer. Um, the machine mixer is best. Okay. And then and then you um, um, you stir in the yolk, and then um, and the sweetened milk. You keep the whole time. And then at the very end, you pour in the quarter to half cup of lime juice and um, you get it all mixed up. What you do is the lime juice cooks the egg yolks, basically. Mm. So you put that in the pie crust. You pour it in the pie crust. If you want to put like a teaspoon of vanilla, I'm like a vanilla holic. I I love vanilla and everything, my pizza, everything. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you can you can put it in there and then you put it in the refrigerator and let it set until it's it doesn't jiggle back and forth anymore it could be half an hour it could be an hour sure and that's and then get some cool whip or whatever you want to put on top of it and put it on the edges and you have a key lime pie 
that's it. That's it. So we'll get a bunch of key lime pies donated. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I have a note here. A note here to find out where to send your key lime pie. Visit Vision World <laughs> Foundation on Facebook or Cook Without Look on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm to get your key lime pie now. <laughs> <laughs> That's too funny. <laughs> So we've been we've been talking about Vision World as the producer of Cooking Without Looking, right? And well, they're the, I'm I'm actually the executive producer. The Vision World Foundation is the parent company of Cooking Without Looking. Let's learn something about Vision World from founder, president of Vision World, Renee Rentmeester. Renee, 88% of people that are blind are unemployed. Now, this is our first conversation, and I only get a chance to plead ignorance once. So I just want to ask you, what kind of person, what kind of job can a blind person actually get? What kind of job can a blind mm-hmm. person actually do? Any any job they want to, except maybe being an Uber driver at this point. <laughs> <laughs> You know, know, that's, it's a funny thing. It's like you said before, what do you like to do? You do that. There are, there are blind architects. There are blind caterers. I know a lot of blind caterers. Maybe it's just because I have the show, but there are lots of blind caterers and, um, you know, a computer thing, that's everybody goes to that. Um, and if computers aren't your thing, well, find what your thing is and then get the technology. That's the coolest part about technology right now. There's so much technology for people who are blind or visually impaired that, you know, whatever hurdle you need to get over to do your regular job, you know, find the technology that helps you. And oftentimes, like, in Florida, the Florida Division of Blind Services pays. You find a job and they will pay for your technology. I've got two gentlemen working for us and um, they needed new computers and they got brand new computers because they were working with us. So tell me about, I'm going to get this name wrong. Tell us about Gufrin. Amel. Oh, okay. Tell us, tell us about Gufrin Nor. Nor. Okay. Um, this is the cool part about Facebook. And I've got people from all over the world on my Facebook page. And so he reached out to me and he knew that um, we, we did things uh, for people who are blind and visually impaired. So uh, Gufran is from Pakistan. And so is his little boy, Nor. And he reached out to us um, uh, several years ago. And he, he, the, the, um, People in Pakistan, the doctor said that Noor's eyes were um, too far gone. He he w- had some sight left, but I, I think he had some uh, retinal damage. Okay. And so what happened was he reached out to me and I said, okay, let me call Baskin Palmer in Miami. Baskin Palmer is like number one eye, eye care center in Miami and um, eye care hospital. And, and so what I did was I called there and they have an international concierge. And so if there's someone coming from another country, they, they take a look at the medical records first and mm-hmm. then, then, they, then they send an airplane and they fly the person in. 
So we um, we got the medical records to them, and, and we found out that they believed that Nor was too far gone. His retinal problem was too far gone, and that he they couldn't save his sight, which still pretty much... It, it's emotional for me. And so what happened was a, a couple of weeks ago, his dad, uh, Gufran, um, reached out to me again. And then, you know, just to say hi and everything, I go, well, how's Noor doing? And he said, well, he, he totally lost his sight. He's like nine years old now. He, he did totally lose his sight, but he's a happy little boy. And he, he, he goes to like, I don't know, he's got like, I don't know if it was soccer practice or what he, he does like sports and things. And, um, and he's just a happy little boy. He just would like to live in the United States, but, um, you know, he's happy even though he doesn't have his sight, he's happy and he's, he's growing up and, you know, he's, he's taking it one day at a time, but you know, it didn't affect him as far as um you know stopping him from doing what he wants to do he just finds new ways of doing it but that that's the story of nor i think it's really amazing that the younger per, a person is when they develop a handicap the more apt they are to just work around it and that's that's true and you know what we we have a bunch of the tv shows that we have kids on and I think we're actually going to branch out and actually have a whole series of cooking without looking kids just kids on there who are visually impaired um <laughs> yeah it's it's fun you know there's such a great energy in the studio when you walk in there it's like whoa this is great everyone's doing something you know they're talking and and I thought the coolest part is we had two brothers on once and and they they have a hereditary blindness and they were like two scientists I swear one was 11 one was nine <clears throat> and they uh, they were showing they were talking to their friends and they were telling us on on the set about their blindness about the machines that they use the technology they use and it was like wow mm -hmm. look at this you're proud of it i mean not proud but you know like there's nothing to hide when when we were growing up like i'm i'm about to be 59 on wednesday um, Congratulations. <laughs> Happy birthday to Public Access America. Thank you. But, you know, when we were growing up, um, a lot of times people hid that or, or people put them in special schools, the kids in special schools. And yeah. that's not necessary anymore. You know, we, we just it's the inclusion revolution, I like to say. Yeah, I agree. I think that's that's what Public Access America is out to do is to destigmatize, to normalize this stuff before people actually encounter it. So if you can learn about a blind person, when you actually encounter a blind person, you'll have a base of how to treat them. And I think right. I think that I think that's important and I think that's nice. And I think you can do that with any any demographic that's out there if you just learn about somebody before you meet them you're going to be more apt to just go by <laughs> right <laughs> well you know and and i think of it in another way too i think that if we learn about blindness or if we learn about whatever it is and we understand 
it more. If that should happen to us, we're not as afraid. It's all, really all you're afraid of is learning a new way of doing things because um, like I've got friends and I'll walk around in the dark and they go, why don't you just turn the light on? And I go, I go I'm practicing my blindness skills. Excuse me. And <laughs> I'll be slamming into things and, you know, putting my arms out. But, you know, I just, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm sort of joking around now, but I do that. It's like, why waste a good light? I can like find my way around here and I have no problem. And, um, I had a white cane at the house and my granddaughter and my grandson and my daughter lived with me. My granddaughter would always pick up the white cane and, and uh, I had taken her to a couple of, of groups and um, she would she would close her eyes and, and use the white cane walking around, uh, walking around our living room using the white cane and all her eyes were closed. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't it takes think... away the stigma. I don't think children see the stigma. I know my mom lost her uh, her leg when I was eight, and we were. She had a suction cup leg, so she would have to keep it on with suction on uh, the upper half of her leg. And one day right. she was she was trying to get it off, and my neighbor kids were over, and she said, "Guys, you have to help me. You got to pull. It won't come off." And the kids were pulling, and the leg came off, and they got so <laughs> scared because they thought they were actually pulling her leg off. <laughs> pulling my leg <laughs> but it, be it became the biggest joke and suddenly <laughs> you know an amputee wasn't like ostracized the kids around actually right. they loved it they were like when can we pull it off again <laughs> <laughs> what time of every day do you pull your leg off you're pulling my leg so, surely I, you just <laughs> i think if kids can get past it i think so can adults i think that we're just I don't know. I don't know what the problem is. Maybe maybe it's our fear that we're too late to the party, that a blind person already knows everything about being blind and we don't. Well, I think it's, you know what I really think it is? I think it's that people are so afraid of saying the wrong thing that they just be quiet. They, yeah. they just do or say nothing. Um, I went to a dining in the dark with a friend of mine uh, one evening and um he started to cry and I'm like, what's wrong? And um, he said that his grandpa had been totally blind and that they never really knew what to say to him. And they figured, well, he, they, he doesn't know we're here, but you do. Yeah, <laughs> but you do. He, it, in the dining in the dark, when we were all talking, he realized that his grandpa did know and that they had sort of ignored him and it hit him. And that's why he started crying because, you know, he felt like he, they had hurt the grandpa because they weren't talking to him and people just, you know, I, I really have never met a person that wanted to hurt someone because right. I, I, I think we hurt each other just because of the lack of understanding that we have. And like you say, if, once we start learning about people, there's, you know, you don't have to worry. You just, you understand. Yeah. Well, your friend, your friend did the right thing because an old man doesn't want to have to talk to people, but, <laughs> but a blind man just wants somebody around. Just, I yeah. don't know, I don't know how to explain the difference between being completely alone and just having somebody around. It makes a difference. 
if, if somebody is just hanging out with you in your surroundings, life is normal. You're not blind. Life is just normal. But if you're alone, every moment is about being blind. And that's the difference. Renee, thank you for joining us here on Public Access America. Oh, thank you for having me. (laughs) I've I've enjoyed it, Jason. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much. No problem. I'm going to read the outro and we can keep talking as long as you want them. Okay. (laughs) Thank you to Renee Rentmeester, creator, executive producer of Cooking Without Looking TV show. The first TV show for people who are blind, visually impaired, or struggle with low vision. Find and support the show by visiting, what's that website, Renee? Cookingwithoutlookingtv.wordpress.com On Twitter at CookWithoutLook, support Vision World Foundation on Facebook at Vision World Foundation. Thank you to my, oh no, I'm sorry, my beautiful co-host is not here. Thank you. I was wondering what happened. (laughs) <laughs> let, me, let me do that again <laughs> i thought you was here a minute ago <laughs> yeah where'd you go thank you to my beautiful co-director lovely logic and of course thank you to you for listening to another episode of public access america Ooh, I like that. Sangria and raisin bread. Now, who's going to have a problem with that? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I have a little cheese on the side. Sometimes.